Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my nauseated girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing today, Carol? Hey, what's up? How much? It's been a good week here. It is December 13th, 1997. Carol, you're feeling a bit under the weather, but soldiering on like the the great recording partner that you are. I'm doing my best. Yeah. It's it's not always sunshine, everybody. (laughs) Sometimes you gotta, I've seen fire and I've seen rain. I've seen bubbling stomachs that I oh thought my God, would stop. never end. Just stop. <laughs> Speaking of fire, though, the big three feel heat of global warming. What do you think about that? I, I think that sucks. The big three being... The three auto companies. That's what I thought. Treaty to affect car makers no matter what Senate does. The extraordinary global warming treaty reached by a United Nations conference in Japan, Kyoto, I believe, could change what Americans drive and Detroit automakers sell, even if it isn't ratified by the U.S. Senate. Hmm. Indeed, the Republican-dominated Senate is almost sure to reject the treaty reached by 150 nations meeting in Kyoto, Japan on Thursday. But President Bill Clinton said he is proud of the agreement, which aims to reduce the 1.4 trillion tons of greenhouse gases that cars, power plants, and factories pour into the air in the United States every year. By changing regulations that don't require congressional approval, Clinton could demand better gas mileage from pickup trucks and sport utility vehicles, the most popular, most profitable, and least fuel-efficient passenger vehicles, the big three build. So, okay, so the president is behind it, but Michigan's not, or I don't really understand. What don't you understand? I just said what I don't understand. So, 150 countries met in Kyoto, Japan. I understood that. To address (laughs) global warming. Uh Uh-huh. And... They all signed an agreement of like, hey, let's do this. It's a treaty. The president has powers to sign uh, treaties. Doesn't need congressional approval for that. What they're saying is that Congress probably won't officially recognize the, the, the treaty. So the president signed it. Correct. But Congress is not backing that decision. Correct. And, which okay. means they won't... They're, In the agreement, there's a bunch of laws suggested. There's nothing mandated, but there's a bunch of laws suggested that countries adopt in order to reduce greenhouse gases. It's basically a pledge of like, hey, let's reduce it by this much and this much, and here's ways we can do that. And so the president's like, yes, we should do this. And Congress is probably going to say, no, we shouldn't do it. But there are things that he can do. Uh, with just like a, um, what do they call them? Uh, I can't think of it now. But it's like a president, it's like a decision the president makes. A veto? No. Executive decision? There you go, yes. Executive, like he can do executive decisions that basically make things happen without congressional approval. He can't do everything, but he can do some stuff, is what they're saying. 
Well, I hope he does because I, I think, you know, doing everything we can to stop global warming is what should happen. Sorry to get political, everybody, in a, a topic that should in no way be political. Uh, right? <laughs> Only in America. Quote, and we're quite worried about that. Richard Klimish, a chemist and vice president of engineering affairs at the American Automobile Manufacturers Association, said Thursday, they're quite worried about you know, actual regulations against them. The tweaking of regulatory standards say U.S. automakers could force U.S. companies to cut back on productions. Oh, no. So you've got a possibility of maybe it costs the automakers some company or the auto companies some some money. And in response, we get to save the planet. Right. Yeah, there shouldn't really be a question. Or they can make more money, and we can kill the planet. Money, planet. Tough call. Money, planet. Right. Oh, but speaking of money, Carol, hmm. I believe the song Money, 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 Money came out in the <laughs> 70s. And this is uh, Stairway to the 70s. Also, the pair of the... Uh, the paper right here uh, shouts out to you. Oh, yeah. Oh, Carol. Nice. It's about time they recognized me. The one the one true Scrooge, Booth Coleman, returns in Meadowbrook Theater's A Christmas Carol. Huh. I, I disagree that he's the one true Scrooge, but whatever. <laughs> so A Christmas Carol at Meadowbrook Theater. That'd be cool. Yeah. But uh, this is Stairway to the 70s, Carol. And this is all about how 70s style is coming back. TV programs about the Carpenters and Led Zeppelin bring them close to you again. Remember the Carpenters? Uh Uh-huh. Karen Carpenter and her creepy-looking brother. I mean, I don't actually, but I'm aware of Karen Carpenter because, like, my mom had a record of hers that she would play. Richard Carpenter (laughs) is is the brother's name. Is it weird that every time I hear a Karen Carpenter song, I get hungry? That's a fucked up thing to say. Every time I hear Karen Carpenter, though, I I do think about how she sadly died from anorexia. Rest in peace, Karen Carpenter. Um, Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so (laughs) it's the time of year, though, for to hear Karen Carpenter. Why? She sang a lot of Christmas songs. Oh, okay. You know, the, uh, I don't know. You know my favorite Karen Carpenter song. Well, the Carpenter, that's a Carpenter song. No. Oh, you don't know? I, I don't. I feel like I should because of the way you're looking at me right now, but I don't. How does it, I can't And remember. I'm sorry, I apologize because now he's going to sing. I'm trying to remember how it starts. <clears throat> there is something coming over Okay, me. I know that song. There is wonder in most everything I see. You know, I didn't know that was a Karen Carpenter song, but yeah. I know the it's song. It's the Carpenters. You know, like it's it's like you just want to fucking slap Richard Carpenter right in the face when every time you've said my mom had a Karen Carpenter album, I didn't know that was a Karen Carpenter song. You said Karen Carpenter so many times instead of the Carpenters ever. I really didn't know that it was more than her. Yes. I mean, on the record, there was a picture of her. So, the band mate was made up of Karen Carpenter as the singer and Richard Carpenter as all the instruments. Wow! Yeah. Well, good for him. 
Uh, they both released their debut albums in 1969 before emerging as two of the biggest groups of the 70s. Their work was slaughtered by contemporary reviewers, but has since benefited from critical revisionism. I don't like Led Zeppelin, by the way. Don't uh, fucking... Don't send your letters about how I'm some idiot because I don't like Led Zeppelin. They stole all their songs. And wow. then write me letters. If you're a big Led Zeppelin fan, write me letters. What What are, like, two of the most popular Zeppelin songs? Stairway to Heaven. Like it. And uh, uh, did they do... Snot? Didn't Metallica do Stairway to Heaven? What? You're quite a fucking music aficionado, aren't you? Holy shit. No. That was not Metallica. I mean, I don't they maybe they did a a cover of Stairway to Heaven, but no. That, okay. That wasn't. Okay. God. Didn't they do Stairway to Heaven? That, you know what that reminds me of? One time I had a girlfriend before you, I know, perish the thought. Uh, Bitch. <laughs> who said to me, That's, that song, Every Little Thing She Does Is Magic, was on. Every little thing she does is magic. Mm-hmm. You know that song? And uh-huh. she said to me, hey, do you know who sings this song? And I said, uh, the police. And she goes, oh. She's like, well, do you know who did a remake of this song? I was like, no, because I didn't know that anyone did. She goes, Sting. <laughs> I was like, yeah, maybe that's because he was the fucking lead singer of the place and wrote right. the song. Anyway. Yeah, Led Zeppelin. You sucks. dated some real brainy girls. Yeah. yeah the, con- the tradition continues. You know, hey, um, now. Black Dog, they sang Black Dog. That's probably so. Black Dog, Stairway to Heaven, Cashmere. Probably their biggest songs. Uh-huh. Anyway, there's a lot of TV programs about the 70s now, and 70s style is all the rage. Yeah, I like bell bottoms. They're cool. I hate it. I hate bell bottoms. Uh-huh. I-, I hate the 70s style. <laughs> About platforms. I have a friend Colin that wears the seventies style very well, but the leather jacket, you know, and everything, and I mean that like brown, shitty yellow jacket, like the kind that David Soul wore. What about red corduroy pants? Do you think yep, those are seventies? He wore those too. Yes, I have a pair of those. Red corduroy. Do pants you hate is, them? No. Like I'm starting to feel offended. I do, I don't hate all seventies stuff, but I. You know, I, I don't, I'm not a huge, I'm not as big of a fan of the 70s as some people are. No, I know. You're a major fan of the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the late 70s was pretty good. You mean, uh, like, in October of 1979? Well, that was a good, that was a good uh, time. I don't know why you're specifically <laughs> pointing out that exact month and year. I don't know. Why would I ever say that? It couldn't be relevant to anything we're talking about of course not. in 1997. <laughs> but anyway. Carol, that's yes. all the news I have. Okay. I thought about doing Massive Love, but you're not feeling good, so we'll do it later. And Thank by later, you. I mean probably next week. I love Massive Love. 
I know, but you have a massive bubbly stomach right now. Stop saying it. Every time you say it, it makes it worse. If I'm physically controlling your stomach and it's no, bubbles. My brain physically controls my stomach and it's bubbles. And when you say bubbles, my brain goes, make the bubbles. It just- Every time you tell me about it, it just it makes me think of your stomach as a witch's cauldron. <laughs> That's what I envision. Oh, jeez. Anyway, speaking of witches, we saw a spooky movie. We did. We saw Scream Deuce. Yeah, I, I liked it. I think it was close to as good as the first Scream. Yeah, it was. It was more comical. I would say, mm-hmm. and more meta, as they call it, more, yeah. more like, hey, this is this is a movie, more self-aware. Yeah, Kevin Williamson, who's writing that. Uh, apparently, by the way, I didn't realize this. Uh, there's going to be a third of these movies. Oh wow! In almost a 100 percent certainty, because I read in Variety the other day when he sold the script, he did. Two, like, five-page treatments for a part two and a part three Hmm. to help sell the idea of this movie. And so he's contractually obligated. Like, he's he's hardwired into doing three of these, essentially. Gotcha. So they're definitely going to make a third movie. Uh, And he's also doing that new Dawson's Creek show that we saw. Mm. But I, I also read that he was inspired to make Scream ah. by a painting by Edward Munch. Oh, that's funny. No, I'm joking. Oh. Because he did the Scream. I, uh, I know why you were making the joke, but it makes sense to me that he could say that because it kind of looks like that mask. It does kind of look like that mask. You're right. I didn't even put that together. But he was inspired... Because of Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives. Meh. It's a great movie. It's the best Friday the 13th movie. I don't think there should be a third movie, though. Why? Because it doesn't make sense for it yeah. to happen again. Like, well, it's oh, kind of it's believable that, like, this terrible thing happens. And then they release a movie about the terrible thing that inspires copycats. Another round of people coming after her with these masks is stupid. That's not going to happen. Another round. Right. But that's... They'll they'll make it work. They'll make it funny in some way. Like they did with this one. They've got Jamie Kennedy being all like, uh, hey, we're, someone's making a sequel. We're, we're in a sequel ever. We're in a sequel <laughs> to the movie Scream. Remember that movie that we were in last year? We're in it again. There's a lot of that. It's not quite that over the top but it's close like he, he literally says someone's trying to do a sequel we have to observe the rules of sequels there's more body count all this other stuff right. maybe it's the boyfriend again no that's tired we're not going to do that we're breaking new ground or whatever he looks at the director and and pulls kevin kevin williamson on screen and <laughs> says he wouldn't write this schlock but one thing i do like about the movie is it very artfully transitions from all that stuff to, hey, we're having a bit of fun and this is a sequel to uh, uh, when people start getting attacked or killed. This is actually quite serious. 
That's well, it. They they really do like they take the threats seriously. Yeah, I mean the like that initial scene in the theater. It's very like it's a hard watch. It's very like disturbing and serious when that woman's being killed. When Jada Pinkett gets stabbed through her fucking guts and yeah, seven times I think. Yeah. Ugh. And everybody thinks it's just part of the movie opening or whatever. If you haven't, you know, the most ridiculous movie opening I've ever seen in my life. Right. A, a a situation that does not exist in any movie opening ever. It doesn't even make sense. Like, they gave away free tickets. Like, the whole showing was free, and then they gave away free masks. Like, this wasn't the Hollywood premiere of the, the movie, because... The stars weren't there. Right. Tori Spelling didn't show up. It's hilarious that they made that joke in the first movie and they got Tori Spelling to... That was funny. ...to portray Nev Campbell in this one. But anyway, uh, and spoilers, obviously. If you if you haven't seen the movie, go see the movie because we'll probably talk about who the killers are and or killer uh, is. Uh, and, spoiler. And, and everything else. So if you haven't seen it, go see it. But... Um, it's first of all the opening ridiculous like you said it's not it's there's no stars there so it's not the grand premiere but yet they gave out a bunch of tickets i i think i don't know if everyone there got tickets i know this dude got tickets oh that's true maybe he just won them or something uh but they are handing out the costume worn by an actual serial killer right that I mean replicas of it anyway, to everyone in the audience so they can all dress up. There's people, there's like ushers moving things back and forth, having ghost face killers go go over the top of the seats and stuff like that. They're calling it Stabovision because the movie Stab. It's a bunch of 1950 shit <laughs> that does 100% doesn't exist today. But it would be like if they made a movie about John Wayne Gacy and they were like, here's clown costumes, everybody. Yeah. It says Pogo on it. That this is, is weird. This is uh, super sensitive to all the kids he killed. You know, like, because this dude in the parlance of the movie, these two guys killed uh, several people. Several people. In the same town. Like, Well, they're not in that town. Okay. They're in... So this takes I don't know if you, you caught it, but they this takes place in, I believe, California, where she's going to collage. But I, where I did the first one it. take place? Haddonfield. Haddonfield. I don't know. Illinois? I don't know. Maybe okay. maybe that's California, too. But it's not the same town. Okay. Wherever Wes Craven says it is, because <laughs> he's the director. But anyway, so... It's ridiculous. The whole thing's ridiculous. Yeah. There's th- these two get killed, and we're like, why? Why kill Omar Epps, and why kill Jada Pinkett? Because their names <laughs> happen to be, and I don't know how this dude knew this, or girl, or whomever. They must have done a hell of a lot of research to find just the right couple. That they knew were going to, maybe they were the one that, that gave them the free tickets. That were going to be at this premiere. But their names happened to match up with like the first two victims in the first movie. And then the third person played by 
Buffy, Sarah Michelle Gellar, mm-hmm. uh, who it was it was nice to see her in this yeah. for five minutes. <laughs> she she got the honorary Drew Barrymore role essentially. Yeah, but anyway, those those three were similarly named, and then apparently after that, the killer abandons that formula. Yeah, that's <laughs> that that's a plot hole. It was weird. It made really didn't make any sense. Yeah. It was a, a reason to have some more other people die that weren't directly connected to the plot. Yeah. But in the, we see a little bit of the movie Stab. And, by the way, great name for a movie. <laughs> well, I mean, is it really you know any worse than Scream? The, well, yeah. the Drew Barrymore role is played by, what's her name, Roller Girl from Boogie Nights. Oh, yeah, I don't remember her name, but I know who you're talking about. Heather Graham Cracker. Oh, uh, yeah. But, yeah, she, and that was, you know, she she did a convincing Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Uh, she re- looks a lot like her. Reenacting events that there is no way anyone could have known because there were no, there was no witness. There were no living witnesses. To I, didn't, I didn't think about that while we were watching the movie, but you're right. That's funny. I mean, they could piece some stuff together oh, from... Yeah watching the crime scene or something like that. But there's a there were a lot of details in there that they would not have known. Right. Like the the burnt popcorn you can figure out, but like right. their whole phone conversation, yeah, no. Exactly. But anyway, so and then we, we go towards the the plot as a whole, which is essentially the same movie again. <laughs> uh but bigger. Yeah, I guess. And dumber. <laughs> and we get everybody else to come back. We got they got Courtney Cox. Got Courtney Cox with her red streak hair. I love her hair. I want my hair like that. It was nice. It looks good. And they got Dewey. Whatever the fuck his name is. Dewey Tomko, yeah. professional poker player. No. Oh, okay. No, the cop Dewey. Dewey played by Arquette. Yeah. One of Arquette's sons. <laughs> Patricia Arquette's brother. David Arquette. That's his name. Yeah, so those two come from Hattonfield. Is yeah. it Hattonfield? Because I feel like that's like from the Jason movies. Are you sure? Hattonfield, I think, is from uh, Halloween. So why did you say that's where she was from? I don't, because I don't remember. Oh. I don't remember. It's something that sounds like that. Okay. Hattonfield, yeah, Hattonfield is from... from Michael Myers from right. Halloween, the Halloween movies. But I don't remember where her... They say it a couple times, but it sounds like Haddonfield. It's it's close. Okay. The, all, all this stuff is a uh, is an homage. Billy Loomis. Loomis. Like Dr. Loomis oh, from yeah. Halloween. Which, by the way, Loomis is also taken from a character in Psycho. Because Halloween derives a lot from the movie Psycho. Interesting. So... But yeah, that there's a lot of those kind of I don't know what you want to call them, but homages. Yeah, little like little like prizes, little freaking if you pick up on it. Like 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 an Easter egg hunt, little Easter eggs. Oh, nice uh, knife nice uh, phrase. Knife. There. Was that a phrase? <laughs> knife phrase there. <laughs> we did see a lot of knives in this movie. Knife pun. Anyway, so yeah. Loomis I don't know where I was going with that, but <laughs> what did you think? Like I said, I, I liked it. 
as much as probably like close to at least as much as the first one um there were a few things that were a little too coincidental and i really don't think that the reporter and police officer from that old town are going to show up at her you know college that was weird I mean, I know why, because of cotton or whatever, but, like, why is everybody, cotton. everybody's converging. Like, she's in college, she's trying to move on with her life, just leave her alone. Liev Schreiber. Yeah. Cotton what? Well, cotton weary. Yeah. The guy who was, you know, fucking her mother and, like, went to prison <laughs> because she said that he killed her mom. I liked that they brought this guy as a kind of a full-fledged character mm-hmm. out of prison you know, on his own, I'm an innocent man, you know, and, and all that stuff. I like that they resisted the urge for him to just be like, I'm a good guy. Because <laughs> he is kind of an asshole. Right. And uh, the guy that was having an affair with Sydney's mother probably would be kind of a duplicitous asshole. Yeah, for sure. And he was. He wasn't just your generic, like, yay. Yay. Yay! <laughs> yeah, he um, he's money hungry for sure. He's oh, trying to capitalize on it. Like I guess he's, he's a fame whore. Well, he's thinking he he spent a year in prison and he should get compensated. Which you know yeah. I can't say that I disagree with that. But he wants to be famous. Mm-hmm. He wants to be Don Diane Sawyer. Diane Sawyer says she'll give us an hour, the entire prime time, Sydney. If we come on together, tell our story. Why don't you relive your mother's death? The death of all your friends. Fucking Rose McGowan getting killed by a a garage door, which is impossible. But I mean, like, don't they get paid for that? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I really feel like that's mostly his motivation. I think like 10 grand each or something like that, he said. No, I I think he wants to be, I I think he wants money, but I think he wants fame, too. I think he wants both, fame and money. Okay. Just like any any act. (laughs) Like anybody in Hollywood. Looking for fame and money. But I do like that they portray his character that way. In the climactic scene where he has, he's got the gun and he's holding it on Mrs. Loomis. Surprise, fucking Aunt Jackie is. Yeah. (laughs) Is, what's his name's mom? I know Uh, it's Billy Loomis, but what's the actor's name? Skeet Ulrich. Yeah. She's Skeet Ulrich's mom. And... He's like, oh, she makes a good... She's trying to convince him not to, to kill Nev Campbell and not her. And he's he's like, oh, she makes some good points. But guess Diane Sawyer's not looking so bad, right? And she's like, yeah, consider it done. So then he shoots the bad guy. I think that was probably like a little too far. Like, I don't think that was very believable. I thought it was... I, I I think it works. Yeah. It's it it none of this is believable. <laughs> this movie's not going for believability. It's going for entertainment. Yeah. This is this is a movie fucking in its purest form. This is not supposed to be the and I guess maybe I'm giving it a bit of a get out of jail free card and it sort of undercuts all of the things we do. But it really does it they did a very good job of creating a universe which is almost immune from normal film criticism. <laughs> as far as like, oh, this is a plot hole or this is whatever, this isn't believable because the entire thing is not supposed to be believable. It's all of a, it's all a fantasy. And it's very aware that it's a fantasy. Right. But, uh, you know, all the 
all these standard things we would talk about, you know, directing, writing, acting, lighting, cinematography, all that stuff. It's all done pretty top notch. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a good, good, well done movie. We, um, get, we get a surprise David Warner. He's in like one scene. Remind me who he was. He was in Star Trek. Okay. At one point, he played a couple different roles. He was in Star Trek Five. He was the the dude on the planet of peace or whatever the the American mm. the, the the human. There's okay. a Romulan and a Klingon. Sure. I watch a lot of Star Trek. Everyone. <laughs> uh, he was in uh, Time After Time, I think, or something like that. Uh, it's like he played. I think he played H.G. Wells and Jack the Ripper uses the H.G. Wells invents an actual time machine and then. Jack the Ripper gets a hold of the time machine and he comes forward in time and starts killing people in the modern day and he's trying to fucking track them down. Interesting. Yeah. I think so, that's called Time After Time or something like that. He's in that too. David Warner is a good actor. So I think my favorite scene and the scene that was the most frustrating also to watch. Was it with Buffy? No. No. Oh. I loved Buffy being in this <laughs> She was in one scene where she argues in a classroom, and then she gets killed. Yeah. Yeah, she wasn't in it for very long. She's got other stuff to do. She's a busy lady. Yeah, she is. What was your favorite scene? (laughs) When they were in the car. That was your favorite scene? They were in the police car, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it was just, it was so very incredibly tense. And, like, the fact that, like, this guy, there, there was just so much stupidity. Like, these guys are supposed to be guarding them. They've yes. got them locked in the backseat of this police car. They're, they're the two best detectives in whatever fictional town in Los Angeles, Los Angeles County they're in. I mean, I, I had to, like, try not to laugh out loud when the one guy's throat just gets slit. <laughs> and then the other guy... At one point, a ghost, a ghost, the ghost mask appears next to him, and he's like, ah! And then he punches through the window and just slashes his throat, and he's like... Blah, 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 blah. And he just pulls him out and jumps in the driver's seat, and the other guy ends up, like, on the car. Well, he, he so he grabs the one guy and starts bashing him around the car and yeah. everything, and but doesn't kill him or whatever. The the guy, because he, he gets, the killer gets in and starts wants to drive the car. Sydney and her best friend or whatever are in the back of the car. This cop stands up, points the gun at him. And doesn't fire. Goes... Get out of the car, asshole. <laughs> it's like, you're not Dirty Harry. You think you have time for a fucking tagline? Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And then he gets ran into. And- Maybe he didn't trust himself not to shoot the girls. Maybe. I don't know. I guess. I don't know. But you don't have you don't have time to make a statement. Just shoot. Yeah. I mean, and he also said, get down back there before you did anything else, too. Like, yeah, he gave them too much warning. So yeah. he ends up getting hit by the car. And then... The killer drives the car, like, into a, a fucking, like, wall, and then it's up against a wall, so there's only yeah. one way out of the car. Right. It's over, the, the killer. It was, that was just fucking hilarious to me. Yeah, they had to, they had to climb into the front seat and then climb over him. And you kept thinking, like, oh, well, I'm just going to get pulled in or whatever, but they do get away. Well, they should have gotten away. Yeah. But Sydney's like, I have to go back and... And see who it was. I have to look. Like, why didn't you do that while you were standing there then? Yeah, I don't know. And and then when she goes back, he's gone. It was like less than a minute. 
How did he get out of that car without them noticing? They were right in view of the car. And he magically appears behind them somehow. Yeah. Now, that could have been because there's two killers in the movie, like Mm -hmm. in the first movie. That could have been one of the other two, too. Like, they could have been working together in that situation. I guess. But if so, where did he go? Was he hiding under the car? Right. (laughs) It was very weird. Uh, The other thing, the other, like, weird scene to me is when Gail is with Dewey and they're in that school. Mm-hmm. And she ends up going into, like, I guess it's, like, the student radio yeah. or whatever. <laughs> and for some reason, in the middle of this office, there's, there's you know, the soundproofed room with the glass and everything like that. And then outside of it, there's just a labyrinth of fucking uh whatever egg crate yeah the egg crate kind of like sound muffling like soundproofing stuff but it's not it's not in just one room where it's like hey we record in here so you know we need to control the echo or anything it's literally a labyrinth of just a bunch of different walls leading to nowhere yeah they just have sheets and sheets of it just like creating a maze cheap you know it makes no sense it's where their fucking tuition money's going to right but yeah, and it was it was kind of hard to watch, like when Buffy got killed, and it was kind of hard to watch when you thought Dewey got killed, and then he didn't get killed, which bothers me. Well, yeah, it, it, Dewey continue like Dewey apparently is fucking immortal. I think Dewey is Jason. He's a cat. I guess he has nine lives. He's on life life three. But he keeps getting. Uh, so I guess if they make fucking what eight of these movies or whatever, okay. he's, he's gone. <laughs> but. Yeah, like he got stabbed a bunch of times, but I guess he was stabbed in old scar tissue. Yeah, it's so stupid. So it's fine. <laughs> you know how scar tissue uh, famously stands up really well to uh, to being stabbed. Right? <laughs> it's not like old wounds ever get open. Ridiculous. Why don't they just make the whole body out of scar tissue? What then you'd be impervious. What did you think about the scene with uh, Sydney's boyfriend when, like, he was all tied up and everything? Wait a second now. Yeah. Let's, for anyone that hasn't seen it, just imagine that Sydney's boyfriend all tied up. Okay. Uh, But let's have some respect, okay? Sydney's boyfriend, quote unquote, it's Jerry O'Connell. Yeah. All right. It's Kush. It's, it's, what? This Kush. I don't know what that means. Jerry Maguire. Oh. Oh, yeah, that's right. He wasn't Jerry Maguire. Yeah, he was Kush. It's Stand By Me's own Jerry O'Connell. Oh, it's, that's right. He was in Stand By Me. It's fucking... You know he was in Stand By Me. He was Vern. The <laughs> little fat kid. <laughs> I'm just it's fucking um, My Secret Identity Zone, Jerry O'Connell, where he's a, where he's a teenager who's secret... I, he's, a, he's a fucking superhero or whatever. He's got uh, sneakers that can make him float. Sure. Oddly three feet above the ground or something like that. You know, the secret of my my secret identity or whatever. This my sec- The secret of my identity or something Every time like that. you say that, it makes me think of The Secret of My Success with Michael J. Fox. That's a great movie. I love it. But Jerry O'Connell. Let's, 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 let's put some fucking... <sighs> Respect on his The name, great okay. Jerry O'Connell plays her boyfriend. Now, what did you think about when he was tied up? You know what else we haven't we haven't mentioned? What? Just real quick, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get all of his films out here Jesus and work Christ. before we're done. 
But you know, the best of Jerry O'Connell is Sliders. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Sliders. Yeah. So, anyway, just some respect for Jerry O'Connell, please. The great Jerry O'Connell. Mm-hmm. As her boyfriend. Yeah, go ahead. What about him? I've asked you three times. You know what I'm asking you. What? Where's tied up? Holy shit. What did you think about the scene where he's all tied up and she just like lets him die because she's an idiot? Oh, because she's, yeah, she's a moron. It was very frustrating. He gave her, her his letters, which I guess is like, I, I was never in a fraternity. Like getting pinned or whatever from the 50s. Yeah, I was never in a fraternity, but apparently if you're in a fraternity, you have a necklace with your the Greek letters on them. And you're never supposed to give them to a girlfriend, but you're always supposed to give them to a girlfriend. <laughs> uh, that's that's essentially how they how they explained it. It's like, right. oh, it's it's not allowed to give away your your letters, but everyone does because it shows like I really love this woman or whatever. And so his brothers haze him for it as is tradition, and as is tradition, they attach him to a fucking. And like a cross, yeah. It was like, and he's like wearing a toga and stuff because it's like they're doing this play, and I think this was a prop or costume or whatever from the play. But they just leave him there. Yeah, it was really bad. Like they should be implicit in his death, right? The college hazing's getting out of control. (laughs) Shooting people in the chest. Fucking Mickey's shooting people in the chest. What's what's that uh, guy's name? Uh, Timothy Oliphant. Yeah, there you go. Timothy Oliphant is just killing people. Yeah. I did not suspect him, did you? Um, I actually, I did. He mm. was, he was one of the few that I suspected. I did not suspect that Aunt Jackie was no. one of the killers. <laughs> no, me either. I actually thought it was going to be the guy who was like acting like they're in a movie. I thought he was going to be one of the killers. But, Randy, but then yeah. he gets killed. Yeah. Pretty early on, actually. For for a second, I thought maybe that was like a setup. I thought it was going to be him. And I thought that was like uh, throw you off. Like he's dead, but he's really not dead. It's mm. just fake. That could have worked. But it wasn't that. Overall, I liked the movie. I think that, I think, like I said, I think... This it gets it right where it's it plays it loose and tongue in cheek where it needs to, and then it gets serious where it needs to. If it didn't treat the threats, if it didn't treat the killers and the deaths and those scenes seriously, then I think everything falls apart. Yeah. But because the threats are are, are treated seriously and the the comic relief is in the in between stuff, I think that's what makes it work. Yeah, I, I very much enjoyed it. I would recommend it. Yeah, so I would say go go out and see it. Uh, we're vastly approaching or quickly approaching <laughs> the end of the year here. Yes. We're going to have our best of episode soon. Not next week, though. Nope. Next, What are we watching next week? I believe Titanic. Yeah, the new James Cameron movie. He's rarely uh, disappointed. There's a lot of... Huge fanfare for this fucking movie, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to be a big old failure. Well, well even play. if the movie's good, you're making a like a two and a half, three hour long historical epic that might do well at the Oscars, maybe if it's made well. But 
I mean, this is not something audiences are going to go see again and again, in my opinion. But anyway. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I think, so, uh, I think you're right. I think that's, yeah, that's the next movie we're going to see, and that's the last movie we're going to see in 1997. After that, we'll be, we'll have the best of episode, then we'll be off for a week, and then we'll see you in 1998. But uh, anyway, that's the episode, Carol. Tell people what they can do meanwhile. So you can check out our website at www.retrolatefee.com. Do it. You can write us at latefee1994 at AOL.com. Tell me why I'm wrong about Led Zeppelin. <laughs> and you can share the tapes with your friends. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.